Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're joined by a very special guest, a returning guest. We are joined by UFOologist and promoter of the ancient astronauts hypothesis, Anthony. Anthony, welcome to Affable Chat. Aliens. And we've brought him here today because we're talking about Nope. What if I told you that in about an hour, you'll leave here different? See, every Friday for the last six months, my family and I have bore witness to an absolute spectacle. One that you'll be seeing here today. So let me take you back to that first night. This is a meta cinematic science fiction horror neo western. Directed by Jordan Peele. The cast includes Chris Washington, True Jackson VP, Mark Grayson, Alfonso French Sosa, Elroy Potasnik, and Kat Hernandez. I watched this movie on YouTube. Anthony, how did you watch it? I watched it on Peacock. Oh, you have this, the premium subscription for Peacock? Uh, I, I do. Thank you, uh, EPL. Yes, I, that's, that's what it's good for. <laughs> Premier League soccer and uh, in this movie. Yes. <laughs> there's like nothing else of note there's, on there's All of the office is not available unless you have Peacock uh, premium. True. So. Uh, thankfully, I watched The Office, uh, you know, the necessary six times while I was still on Netflix to right. like not need to get my Peacock subscription. Joey, how did you watch Nope? I also watched it on YouTube. Nice. Okay. So before we begin our discussion on Nope, we will recap the events with a synopsis that Joey wrote. Uh, Joey, get us started. OJ and Emerald are heirs to a Hollywood legacy. Haywood Hollywood Horses the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood. After their father dies under mysterious circumstances, the brother and sister are left to their own devices and some tough choices. Emerald has moved on to act, direct, ride motorcycles, and much more, while OJ has been forced to sell some of his family's horses to keep afloat. The buyer of the Haywood horses is Jupe Park, a theme park owner who has been riding his success as a child actor long into middle age. Jupe and the Haywoods are technically neighbors, but their land is so large and sparse, they really aren't that close. Jupe tells OJ and M that he also starred on a short-run television show called Gordy's Home. The show was canceled after the titular Gordy, a chimpanzee, killed and maimed several of the actors on set. Jupe survived, physically unharmed, but the experience shaped him in ways even he doesn't seem to understand. That night, while drinking and smoking that hobby weed, M and OJ experienced a strange event. The power in their house and electronics suddenly powers down, and OJ sees something move across the night sky, something too quick and too quiet to be a plane. Convinced they have been visited by aliens, M convinces OJ they should try to capture the UFO on film. They buy a bunch of security equipment and hire Angel Torres from the Not Geek Squad to install it for them. M steals a horse statue from Jupe and a bit of neighborly ribbing, but also as bait for the UFO, which seems to like sucking up horses. 
That night, OJ hears strange noises coming from the stables, and when he investigates, strange figures begin to stalk him. OJ tries to film them on his flip phone, but they spook him and he punches one in the head. The figure's mask comes off, revealing them to just be Jupe's kids returning the prank. The UFO continues to visit the Haywoods, but electronic interference keeps them from getting a clear shot. But by filming the sky, they start to notice things they hadn't before. There is one cloud in particular that does not move with the rest. It sits just above the valley, patiently waiting. Jupe has a new show at his theme park called the Star Lasso Experience. In front of a small crowd, he tells them he knows of a UFO and that he can get it to appear by releasing horses into the valley. He's been doing it for months, but this time, the ship is early. Instead of chasing the horse into the valley, it appears directly over the crowd, violently sucking them from the ground and into its aperture. Inside, the people are squeezed and crushed in elaborate esophaguses. They scream in horror and pain, begging for help. OJ shows up soon afterward and starts to put the pieces together. The UFO is not a ship. It is a flying creature that eats people and spits out non-organic material. It reacts when looked at. When OJ averts his gaze, it seems to leave him alone. Armed with this knowledge, OJ and M recruit Angel and legendary cinematographer Antlers Holst to help them capture the creature on film. They come up with a plan to lure the alien, now nicknamed Jean Jacket, out into the open and for Antlers to use a mechanical camera to capture the whole thing. Everything is going to plan until a TMZ reporter shows up on an electronic motorcycle. M tries to shoo him away, but he rides directly into Jean Jacket's electronic interference field, launching him from the bike and onto the ground. OJ tries to save him, but he is too late. Jean Jacket is there and swallows the screaming man whole. OJ leads the creature down the path, and Antlers gets the shot. But it's not enough. With the sun starting to set, Antlers climbs a nearby hill and films himself being eaten alive. The impossible shot. Here, the creature begins to unfurl, revealing its true form. A square aperture appears, drawing the eye of M and OJ. They work together to divide its attention, drawing it far enough away from M that she can escape on the dead rider's motorcycle. She leads the alien to Jupe's theme park, where she releases a large helium balloon to distract Jean Jacket. The creature takes the bait and eats the balloon, causing it to explode and its pieces to float to Earth. The end. There you have it. The events of Nope will begin our discussion with pros and cons, and we'll start with Anthony. Uh, Anthony, what did you like about Nope? Nope is truly a unique take on the alien invasion sci-fi horror genre that features some and if not the most horrifying scenes in 2022, leaving me with an ever-looming fear of something I once looked at with wonder. Nope is a fantastic (laughs) telling of a brother's and sister's relationship and how they can rebuild their respects for one another. Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya have great on-screen chemistry and are accompanied by the eerie, narcissistic, flat-out creepy roles by Stephen Ewan and Michael Wincott. Jordan Peele gives all his stars their moments to shine. Mashed together with some spine-chilling, breathtaking, brain-searing cinematography, Peele yet again delivers in his directorial campaign, as Nope is not just only a film, but a true spectacle. Good use of the word spectacle here. I'm sure we'll hear that a Thank lot you. out of the next hour or so. Um, for me, uh, this movie is, it has an engaging, fun premise. It's got plenty of twists and turns. Keeps me on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, it's got remarkable performances like, uh, like 
uh, Anthony said from Daniel Kalula and Kiki Palmer. But honestly, everyone is really great in this movie. Um, it's got it's a very strong thematic film. Everything uh, works together to uh, reinforce the themes that are in play here. Um, and it's something we've just come to expect from Jordan Peele. He just does this better than anyone else uh, who's working right now anyway. Carefully, deliberately shot. Um, it's just a really nice film to look at. Everything feels so... It's very patient. Um, it's not constantly you know, bombarding you with things. Um, and yet it's still scary. It still grips you um, and all that. And the, the people screaming while Jean Jacket is floating over the house and other things is really terrifying. It's uh, awful to listen to uh the visceralness of some of hearing another human being scream is something that um is used to great effect for this movie i agree the sound design in this movie goes crazy like not just i like specifically the screaming but in in a lot of different ways uh some of the most terrifying things in this film come from the sounds of terrifying things uh you don't get to see very much of the actual damage that gordy does but listening to it just out of view oh bone chilling oh what about uh like the the subtitles just says squishing oh yeah the subtitles (laughs) are gruesome in this one uh it, it i think this is a super creative premise taking something that we're also familiar with the ufo abduction and creating something new very cool. Uh, it, this movie is very creepy and probably the most visually horrifying Jordan Peele film so far. Uh, the commentary in it is easy to understand and isn't super preachy, although I do have my issues with it. Uh, great casting, like you guys have said, Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya. Chemistry of siblings, boom. Totally agree with everything you guys have said. This movie is very well structured it's the second watch through there's so many things where it's like wow they didn't have to put that in there but when i'm watching it again it's like oh obviously uh you know emerald mentioned that she drives motorcycles so like concrete uh case for her being able to uh drive that around at the end and this movie is full of things like that where it's just very very just well put together um there's a lot of care taken uh in the creation of this uh there's great suspense i i i loved uh just i don't know i felt on edge for most of this film and it was even funny at times uh which uh, definitely helped to break that tension a little bit so those are the things we liked let's move on to our cons anthony what did you not like about nope so i don't know about you guys but i did see this movie in theaters for its release um and i felt like in my second viewing at home it really lacked that like loud surround sound theater, that wonder and the mystery of it all drew me away a little from how I felt from my first initial viewing. Um, I'm usually like a, a subtitles Andy and uh-huh. I really did not like the subtitles this time. Um, like specifically at the beginning, it says like woman screaming when uh, like Jean Jacket is flying over the ranch for the first time. So that's like an obvious giveaway that it's something's up. I mean, you know, it's an alien movie, so like, maybe. But I, I want to point out that uh, I like I specifically didn't listen to subtitles, even though or mm. use subtitles, even though I I do enjoy you know a good set of subtitles because similar to comedy movies where subtitles can sometimes ruin the timing. Uh, I think that in horror films and mystery yeah. kind of films in general, subtitles can give you too much information. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, yeah, can get in it the does, way of but your enjoyment. The, and, but also I was looking for like, you know, like when you're looking at quotes and stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to know exactly what they say this time. Because <laughs> you, yes. you miss stuff in theaters. Like when the screaming is so loud that like you can't hear what people are talking about, that's yes. when it's, you know, disruptive. 
Um, and uh, my last my last con is I was hoping that there'd be more of Jean Jacket in the background, like initially throughout the film. Kind of one of those moments where it's like, oh my god, it's been it's right there. I see yes. it. Yeah. But that's not as like prominent or evident um, uh, in the second viewing. And I I wish that that was more of a thing. Yeah, for me, I feel like the dots that Jordan Peele is putting in front of us aren't connected enough. Um, there's a lot of vagary. It's a lot of things kind of thrown into the air, being like, look at this, look at this, look at this. But nothing really comes together for me uh, in, in a way that I really want, which is a little disappointing because I think Jordan Peele is a really smart director. He knows exactly what he's trying to say. And I just wish that it, that was a little bit more clear for everyone. Um, I feel like, uh, so, like for us, we're in a unique position where we're willing to kind of sift through details to to find some sort of meaning to this. But I think a lot of other people will walk away um, confused or with a kind of uh, empty feeling because there's, there's that missing piece there. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. And I also felt like this movie was not quite as haunting as his other ones. Get Out and and uh, Us felt like they kind of sat with me a little bit more. They, they kind of had this feeling of like making me afraid to go to sleep although yes anthony i agree i'm also afraid of clouds now i also um uh, i also felt like i did like because the monster was dispelled that was the end of the story i didn't have to worry about it in the future as much you know um so i i didn't have that aunt haunting uh feeling that the other movies gave me yeah in a similar vein i felt like this movie was diagnosis without prescription it's saying hey fame isn't all that it's cracked up to be but what's the alternative like the the, your characters are still uh seeking out some notoriety off of this spectacle also saying gawking at spectacles is something that humans can't help but do right should we stop doing that like (laughs) is there a better way to go about it um i think that you can still just say those things, and I, I think it's an interesting thing to have in a movie, but it's tough for me to listen to you say, hey, fame is bad. Also, I'm a director and make movies that everybody watches. <laughs> I'm very famous. You know, it's like, all right. Uh, so I that just, and I think that kind of goes along with what Joey's saying, is that I, I came away from it feeling like there was a little bit of something missing because it, it felt like they started the to say something and then didn't get to the end of their sentence. Um, but those are our pros and our cons. Let's move on to our overall section. And we've got some questions for you, Anthony. So we'll start with this one. Uh, you know, you've been on Apple chat many times. Uh, this time you're on here to talk about Nope. So why did you pick this movie? Um, well, as my, um, as my resume for Apple chat builds, sci-fi is definitely in the background here. And Nope was the best sci-fi movie I saw of 2022. Um, I was totally obsessed by it. Um, like I was going on vacations with my parents and we were like looking, like laying down, looking at the sky at some points and I horrified of clouds. Like I couldn't even, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't look up. Like I, I, it was, it was scary to look at. Um, so it left me with kind of this eternal dread that I needed to, well, I wanted both of your opinions on. Um, and it, and it took a while to get to it, but we're here. Yeah, I will say, I mean, you are the reason that I ended up watching this one, and I'm glad I did. I I heard a little bit of a mixed reaction to this movie, uh, which now is a little bit surprising to me because I feel like this is pretty overwhelmingly good, but you never know how audiences are going to react to that. Um, But progressing forward here in our questions, uh, what about this movie speaks to you personally? 
Um, I don't know if there's any one thing in this movie that does speak to me personally. Like, I'm not a director or anyone seeking out some sort of, like, fame of any kind. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I mean, I do love the sci-fi genre. Um, any of the alien kind of movie shticks, I'm, like, crazy about. And it's always, like, great to see a unique take, right? Like, uh, this movie feels, like, kind of out of that same vein of, like, Arrival where it's some it's like the alien invasion concept but a totally unique take on it like like we haven't seen anything where it's like let's get aliens on camera right Mm -hmm. even though the movie is a camera itself so right um, but it's just the concept that i loved that i wanted to share with other people sure yeah i mean it's i think it's an interesting twist on like the ufo um idea and i think there's some there's certainly elements of it that resonate more with like um I don't know, ancient stories too especially like the the um uh alien shape at the end right jean jacket shape at the end is reminiscent of historically or biblically accurate angels yes. have you ever seen these yes. uh of course images? <laughs> yes um uh, if anyone's not seen them you should look it up it's, it's kind of hard to describe but essentially they look like these terrifying creatures made of feathers or mostly made of eyes yeah, usually like a billion there's, there's eyes. one in particular it's like a it's like a, a a bunch of interlocking rings and each of the rings has a bunch of eyes on it and it's like huge there's another one that has like a bunch of wings or like feathers and it's like really big it's supposed to be how the how the old testament angels were described and they're supposed to be like awe-inspiring and uh, terrifying sort of like a in the vein of eldritch horrors um so uh, this thing uh in this movie has that same kind of shape and it also maybe invokes like a uh maybe this is what uh people were describing in the past right when they got abducted by an alien it was actually one of these things that ate them and they've been here forever they've been here for thousands of years eating people and we thought they were taking them to heaven but they've actually been consuming us um you know stuff like that yeah but it's uh, it also kind of ties in with at the beginning of the movie you get a uh reference to the bible uh right you know uh nahum 3 6 i will cast abominable filth at you make you vile and make you a spectacle and there's that the, the word of the day yes. spectacle <laughs> is is in there too and i did a little bit yeah, of play the play the play the jingle right yeah <laughs> and i um i i did a little bit of uh investigating on this and and this is a book from the old testament and it describes the cause of the destruction of nineveh uh which was like a city and basically what somebody else read it for me and i kind of just read the summary uh but the they're getting at with this verse is that the path of idolatry and exploitation only leads towards death and destruction and i think that Mm. is very relevant when it comes to uh what happens to the people that gawk at spectacle uh in this movie well, let's uh, let's let's move to that, Anthony. Do you have any thoughts on spectacle or any other themes that are present here? Um, I mean, obviously, spectacle is just the biggest one, but um, I don't know. Like, there is kind of that like self-obsessed narcissism in this movie that Steven Yeun and um, or Jupe and Holst like right. definitely expel onto the other characters. I mean, and even M kind of has it too, right? Where it's like it's all about the fame, right? Like the next big thing, the Oprah shot, right? And um and it's surprising to me that someone like Jupe didn't like learn from past mistakes, instead was like, "Oh no, I can make this into something more," right? 
I can build off of this horrifying experience in my past um, by, you know, doing it with this new age predator. And same with uh, Hulse too, right? Like, um, you know, one of the questions I have for you guys is, did they actually get the shot? But assuming that they did get it, why would he then go and like try to do like one up that again? Right. It's it's what is what is the necessary um, that like that feeling that he has to to go beyond what the, the epicness that they that they got. Well, that's a tough question to answer, but I'm reading a book right now called Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote Sapiens. Um, it's about the future of humanity, and he says that uh, evolutionary speaking, evolutionarily speaking, humans are always going to strive to do more because there's no there's no evolution evolutionary advantage to being content. Mm. If you are a mouse and you found some sort of sweet food and you ate it and you were like, I'm good for the rest of my life, you're, you're a dead mouse. Um, if you have to keep going for the next thing, you always have to, it has to diminish at some point so you can keep going further. The same thing is true for people. Uh, you, as soon as you achieve something, you want to achieve something greater afterward. Um, and I think for, for me, the way I interpreted this, because I was watching this with Jenny and she asked me the same exact question, Anthony, of why did Holes do this? For me, the answer is, uh this was he was cementing his legacy i want to get the i want to get the impossible shot and once i get that impossible shot there's nothing else out there it's worth my life i i'm going to get it and that's it i don't have to do anything after that the journey is over i have succeeded in the in the way no one else will ever succeed except for the part where he forgot to realize that film would just completely like uh, disintegrate inside the esophagus of a giant alien. Well, right, but it's it's not about showing the shot to anybody else. It's about it's about getting, getting the, the shot. shot. Oh, um, and this okay. is why this is why I love talking about movies with Joey because that that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, he builds that. He's clearly not happy with his life, even though he's this highly touted director. And I think it's for the same reasons that you're saying. You know, there's once you've made something great, there's always something greater that is yet to be made. That is your new quest, right? So this is a this is the only way to escape that cycle. Is to have something final, uh, like being sucked up inside of a flying alien. I mean, it's just like, yeah, he talks about how the, the sun is setting and everything. The, the golden hour, right, is what uh, ph- photographers call it. This is, um, you know, it's, it's perfect. It, it's like everything is aligned suddenly. Uh, fate has brought him to this point um, for him to sacrifice himself. Um, yeah. Um, I think this thing of spectacle is kind of slippery for me because, like Benjamin said, I don't really know what they're trying to say about this. Is spectacle good? Is spectacle bad? Um, I think there's, uh, I think you could equate spectacle with fame with the dangerous animals that are in this movie. I think you could put all those together, perhaps. Um, there's, there's people, there's like two types of people in the world, right? There are people that respect nature and there are people that try to control nature and um jupe falls in kind of a interesting place between those two in which she's he's trying to control these things he's trying to make he's trying to control a predator right but he also believes that he's above it because he believes that gordy didn't kill him because he has some sort of connection with animals that's why uh that happens but i read this really interesting article right after i watched this movie that uh, talked about uh, that specific scene where Gordy shows up and doesn't kill Jupe. And you never, Jupe never makes eye contact with Gordy. 
uh, everybody else makes eye contact with Gordy, but Jupe sees him through the um, mm. translucent tablecloth mm-hmm. that's right there. He never sees him directly in the eye, and he mistakes that for um, like respect. And when he goes in for the for the fist bump, um, not recognizing that if he had made eye contact with him, like all of his co-stars had, that he possibly would have killed him too. Um, there is like a, you see him as Gordy's killing the other people, right? There are moments where it's clear that they're looking Gordy in the eye, and that's when Gordy gets like upset, right? Uh, you can you can extrapolate from that, and and the same thing here when when uh, when Jupe says right here, I'm just gonna play a second of this. You're chosen. He says to himself, "You are chosen." He believes that he has a connection with Jean Jacket that he can control it. Not recognizing again what the what the what's going on here. It's only OJ that has the respect for animals and for therefore fame and spectacle that allows him to control Jean Jacket in a way that gets the gets success in the end. Right? He understands animals. He says all animals have rules. Every uh, everything has sort of a a pattern, and people and animals act predictably. So when you can understand what they want and how to get them to come out then you can you have some sort of element of control but it's again he has this connection with the horses right but it's not because he's chosen right it's because he spent his whole life learning how to be around the horses he's, he's so in tune with horses he treats other people as horses you notice how he talks to the other people when uh when he's talking to uh angel and he's like he's telling angel to point the the camera up he goes and he points upward. <laughs> yep, yep. When he's trying to get them to go into the into Angel's uh, truck, he's 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 slapping his leg. Going, come on, come yep. on, come on! Like, <laughs> as if they're horses. It, it, it's hilarious. It's a really really good uh, acting from Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, incredible stuff. But he's uh, it's that respect for nature that grants him the ability to do what he's doing in this in this movie and become successful where no one else is. Everyone else is chasing something they don't understand, whereas. Uh, OJ seems content to simply understand it. Yeah, if there's one thing, one message that is clear from this movie, it is do not fuck with animals. Uh, it, it's it was interesting on the rewatch seeing the Star Lasso experience because when they're like, oh, I guess they're starting early, but that's fine, we'll do it. They release the horse, uh, Lucky, but Lucky yep. doesn't actually leave, and he's like, come on, come on, and then. The, uh, Jupe's wife is like, bear with us now. Trained animals can be predict uh, unpredictable, and <laughs> you, she's talking about the horse, but she's really talking about Jean Jacket. Yes, definitely. Tracking back just a little bit, what you said with uh, um, Daniel Kaluuya just like kind of eating this up. Like he also doesn't really make eye contact with any of the other humans in this movie either. Like he is constantly like just like dead eye, always like looking down, like never looking at anyone, um, except for really emerald thing yeah i think you're right about that it, it it really is an amazing performance because almost immediately i'm like very uncomfortable in his presence yes. you know like he's 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 standing there in front of everyone he's supposed to be giving this this speech that he's literally listened to his entire life and uh is unable to do it and it's just it's so awkward um but like you know he's a he's like a hollywood actor everyone everyone recognizes him you see him on the street you'll recognize him like he's <laughs> he's got a certain amount of charisma so to, for him to just shed that uh for this role um is a testament to his talent he really is good but backing up even a little bit further back to jupe and and kind of his uh 
you know, we, we said he had an opportunity to learn from his experience with Gordy, uh, but obviously he, he had the wrong takeaway from that. But I think a lot of that is also societal influence. This tragedy that they tried to cover up ended up becoming the reason that people remember this show. And mm-hmm. it wasn't for the, uh, you know, feeling bad for any of the victims it was the fact that everybody knew this happened it was you know on par with uh will smith slapping chris rock it's like wow remember that thing that we all know about and it just becomes a cultural touchstone so much so that people will pay you know 50 grand to like spend the night surrounded by memorabilia from it and snl drops a, a you know completely incredible uh skit that is you know spoof spoofing it uh all like all those things kind of um you know like actually can we play the snl skit really quick you haven't seen the bad gordy sketch on snl i mean it pretty much nailed it better than i could no saturday night live daryl hammond as tom anna gostire as phyllis sherry o'terry is mary joelia scott wolf is the host he's me but of course the star of the sketch is chris Goddamn Katana as Gordy, and he is undeniable. Okay, big goes like this. Everyone's trying to celebrate Gordy's birthday, but every time Gordy hears something about the jungle, Gordy Katan goes off, <laughs> and it's it's Katan. He's just crushing it. He is a force of nature. He is killing on that stage. Poor choice of words, perhaps. Or very (laughs) obviously intentional choice of words, right? Because everything that he's saying, which, you know, a comedian talking to Joe Rogan would use to describe a very uh, impressive comedic performance. Oh, he's just killing and crushing. He's mauling those people. He's eating it out there. He's dripping your face off and screaming. Right. All those things, obviously double meaning, uh, could be used to accurately describe what Gordy was doing to the other actors right in front of him. Um, And I think choosing to have his preferred recollection of the or or even description of the event because it's not just saying like they didn't just ask what kind of pop culture phenomenon were the result of this emerald asks him what really happened and his response is to come back to her with a um pop culture uh like reaction to it Uh, so i think that the way that society reacts to spectacle is uh, it, it largely influential on the way Jupe chooses to uh, interpret what happened to him that day. That's really interesting. I think that there's something about something I'm kind of getting right now, I guess, is there's spectacle sort of subsumes everything else. It, it, it sort of consumes everything, right? The fact that it happened and that it, it was a something that people watched or knew about is enough, regardless of whether or not it is good or bad, right? Or whether people died or, or whatever, the fact that it was on film and everyone could see it is what matters. Um, and it ultimately, if you put yourself in a situation where spectacle may occur, right? Good or bad for you, um, that's better than not doing it for the sake of your own fame, I suppose, right? Right. So when confronted with a new spectacle, the obvious choice is to perpetuate it, to, to, to make right. a profit off of it. 
when you encounter this mysterious thing that's definitely eating your horses like another bit of like oh on the rewatch i picked up on something new was when daniel kaluuya uh, oj is selling his horses to jupe he's like yeah but we would like to set up something so that i can buy them back eventually and they get cut off before he can talk more about that because you're not getting these horses back well he was even like there was like that false promise of like yeah like we'll talk about that yeah (laughs) yeah i could do that so yeah i i think i think that is a big part of like kind of what they're saying uh just kind of a uh like how everybody's reaction to a spectacle kind of influences how it or i guess the society's larger reaction to it influenced how uh even the people involved in the spectacle portray its its occurrence right so why do you think jupe chooses to talk in that way is it because it's that memory has been replaced by the snl skit or is he avoiding something more painful it's got to be suppressed trauma right like that's what it seemed like to me yeah, yeah. like he's just burying it with like funny snl skit right like the same way that i def- like not just me but like plenty of people deflect uh trauma with humor right right yeah and uh, he right. even said that uh his co-star who is the one whose like shoe came off and uh like she he, she's still alive and he said that she was his first crush you know as a kid i mean this is just he cared about this person that he got to see get absolutely uh you know demolished by this chimp so uh yeah i i agree i think it's unprocessed trauma that he is dealing with through kind of in a strange way setting himself up to relive it right it, it, it's he's like drawn to this thing without realizing what that means right it, it, and he believes that there's something special about him that's what he's taken away from this which like it's hard to blame him for coming to that to that realization when um like that's what uh the kind of the culture like uh in parts on him right it's like oh you were so lucky oh but but also like look at all this that you can do with this right like you have this fascinating story you have this monument to spectacle that you're allowed to exploit um and people are always going to be interested in it in it and people are always going to want to come to you for that answer um when but but what's disappointing is that he doesn't have an answer for that right all it is is the spectacle itself that's the only thing that's left um and then his unprocessed ability to uh, deal with it right and and he's not really encouraged to progress beyond who he was as a kid he still is just the kid from kid sheriff Sheriff. who uh is named jupiter or whatever because he's got his he's basically still playing that character he and and so it would make sense that he would be kind of emotionally stunted and perpetually stuck in this state that he was in as a child yeah it's very interesting so one of the things that I uh, am especially interested to hear from you, Joey, but also you, Anthony, uh, what things in this movie remind you of other pop culture references? Because I, I do think this movie draws a lot from existing, uh, you know, horror tropes, but also Western and alien. So uh, what are some things that you picked up on f- from this movie that you recognize from other uh, pieces of popular culture? And we'll start with you, Anthony. Uh, I mean, the first obvious one, at least to me, was Jaws, right? Like, this this had a sim has a similar effect too, like at the end of the movie, um, where like right like I'm like scared of clouds now, but like I was scared of the ocean to this day, still scared of the ocean because of Jaws, right? Like so, um, 
And then also in the same way that uh, the monster is viewed, right? Like you get little glimpses of it and it's like, oh, what is it? Like, how big is it? Like, what can it do? What is it capable of? And, and then when you see it come to the end and like the monster consumes the ones most obsessed with it and then eventually killed by a character that had to like be forced into the role of killing it. Um, so it's, it's, it's very much like Jaws. Like it's essentially, to me, it feels like the modern day Jaws. That's a really good answer. I didn't make that connection. Um, I, there is one thing I read about. I have never seen this series, but um, Neon uh, Genesis Evangelion. Have you heard of this? Uh, That's the anime, anime right? Yes. Uh, uh, it keeps coming up in like my pop culture like consumption is like a in reference like there's also references to it and lots of other things so it's something i'm feeling like i'm circling and eventually gonna have to consume at some point but apparently jordan peele was directly inspired by the angels in that series um, which fall into the same kind of eldritch horror category where they're like so terrifying to the characters in the show that um they uh um are, are not what you would typically think of as angels necessarily um, but he, uh, the design of those characters were, um, or the design of Jean Jacket is inspired by the angels in that series. And also, you ever watched the sh- the movie The Fourth Kind? I've never seen The Fourth no. Kind. It's not that great, but oh. the the movie is interesting. Uh, so there's this thing uh, in UFOology, as you know, <laughs> yes, as I'm as I'm um, well backgrounded. Right, called the Close Encounters. Uh, and there's five types of cl- Close Encounters. The, officially, there's only three, but then there was extensions to the original um, uh, scale. So the first kind of Close Encounter is a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object. Uh, the second is some sort of physical effect, so like interfering with a vehicle or electronic device, animals reacting, or something like you're feeling a lot of heat or something like a, a crop circle or something like that. Uh, and then there's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is what the um, Steven Spielberg movie is based off of, which is when you actually interact directly with a alien entity. And then there is Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, which is when you are abducted by mm. an alien. And Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind is when you have actual communication with an alien. But um, the idea is, in the fourth kind, is that Aliens are so alien to us that we cannot process visually what they are. They, when they appear to us, our brains can do not have a filter to understand them, and so they appear as something we're more familiar with. In the fourth kind, it's owls, white owls. So with these people that are visited by aliens, they re- all they remember is seeing an owl coming to the window and then something horrible happening to them, but they can't remember it. It's a lot of hypnosis in that movie. It's, it's confusing. But anyway, there are little owl references all throughout oh, yeah. um, this movie. There's an owl that looks very similar to Jean Jacket in the stylization on, in a picture frame on Jupe's wall. And um, Jupe's kids dress up in little owl-like creatures, even going as far as hanging upside down inside wow. of uh, OJ's and stable. There's, there's also um, in the like POV flashback in uh, in the Gordy incident, the mm-hmm. cameras that are like pointed at us because they're like they're down. They mimic that that white owl kind of face mask that the oh, kids wow. are wearing. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So f- yes, yeah, so that's cool. So yeah, for me, a uh, something that. A pop culture thing I picked up on this was a reference to uh, Akira, 
which is a 1988 Japanese animated cyberpunk action film that is really iconic for probably many reasons, but specifically for the Akira slide, uh, which is definitely featured in this film where you like somebody on a motorcycle will turn the motorcycle and kind of be, uh, you know, perpendicular to the camera and sliding away from the camera. And uh, we got Emerald doing that on her way into Jupiter's claim while she's running away from Jean Jacket. And uh, I, I have to credit Bill Wendling on in the YouTube comments of this movie for pointing that out. Uh, he called it absolutely awesome and a major plus. Uh, so shout out Bill Wendling. Thanks, Bill. Uh, but after he said it, I was like, of course, that was a, a curious slide. I mean, it looks badass on its own, but also for it to be a reference to a very famous... I mean, whether you know that it's called the Akira slide, I guarantee you, listener, you have seen an Akira slide in some uh, animated movie uh, or TV show at some point. Uh, I know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did it a bunch of times. Or Akira sliding all over the place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, well, it's something that I think uh, Jordan Peele does well is kind of like draw from, uh, you know, Pop, like things that uh, landmarks in uh, popular culture and kind of bring that into his own things here. Um, so, okay. Another thing I was curious about the names of this movie are, seem to be kind of out there. Uh, maybe names that you're not like expecting. And I'm wondering if you guys were able to draw any sort of meaning from the names chosen for the characters and the horses in this movie. Um, not really. Yeah, not really. I think maybe lucky, right? Cause like he is the good luck charm that saves, um, supposedly saves, um, OJ at the end of the movie and also Emerald. Right. And it's, and it almost feels like a, uh, like a, a last memento from, um, OJ senior or whatever. Yeah. Mr. Haywood. Um, yes. Mr. Haywood is my father. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like that, like it's, Right. He had the whole ranch set up like he trained all the horses and then it was like his last horse at the end uh, that saved his children from the alien. Supposedly saved the children um, because I would like to hear the take on that uh, if OJ is alive at the end or not. Oh, you think OJ didn't survive? I think that it's questionable Um, Mm. only because um, thank you subtitles that you do hear a horse screaming at the end when he's about to get like went supposedly abducted. And, um, and also like when he's standing at the end, it's like all foggy and the sign above him says out yonder, right? Like into the beyond. And it yeah. could be that, um, that Emerald is just imagining him showing her like his last respects before he like goes on into the afterlife. Hmm. Interesting. That's a good, that's a, some good evidence, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that at all, but you don't really see anything afterward to confirm one way or the other. Correct. So. Which that's, Possible. that's like a Jordan Peele staple, right? To like the ending is questionable at best, right? Sure. Like there's not anything direct um, from the ending. You, you're allowed to take from it where you can. Well, I thought like specifically OJ, I thought was an interesting name to choose because I mean, when you call somebody OJ, I think a lot of times you jump straight to OJ Simpson um, yep. and they even have a part of the movie where they say OJ run and OJ Simpson oh. was very famous for running yeah. uh, with a, and also his nickname was Bronco as in horse right <laughs> it's, wow. yeah so I, I, I but the thing is it's like I don't know what we're supposed to do with that 
besides maybe be like add this to the list of notable ojs um i i i mean it just plays into or helps build oj as a character that's not really of people right he has a flip phone he doesn't really react well with other people um he's more comfortable with the animals um and oj the name would do more to isolate him than it would be to make him like a normal guy right i, I definitely Although this movie, yeah this movie does uh reclaim the name oj at least in my mind yeah <laughs> no i agree uh, and and especially whenever you watch a jordan peele movie there's usually i think like explicitly uh commentary on black culture and um th- i mean this could potentially have something to do with that um in addition to that we have angel and i was just to about me, to bring up angel yeah i think to, well to me angel potentially has more meaning than this but i think it's like a stepping stone to the biblical description of angels that we get to see uh in in this movie yeah uh that's that's interesting i don't know i never really i didn't really pay that close attention to what the names were just because i was kind of watching the rest of the movie but there's lots of there's lots of little things like that i mean you already mentioned lucky lucky's the only thing that didn't get abducted right by jean jacket in the crowd ghost clover. disappears without a trace you know right. like clover is another like form of lucky charm yeah right so there's something uh to go with that too um yeah that's interesting um but angel does kind of act like um like not biblically accurate but just like um regular biblically accurate i don't know <laughs> regular um, angel right like yeah because he's like their saving grace right if he had never been like like seeing everything that was going on from another point he was of watching view, over them he was watching over them and was like did you guys not see the obvious cloud that's not moving and yes because if he had not come in swooped in like that um then like they would have definitely perished that, yeah sure. i agree he, i mean he noticed the cloud and then that kind of the the dominoes fell from there yeah. Oh, d- do you guys think they got the shot? Like, did they did they get it? Like, you know, like what we saw, which is where like OJ at the end, like like pulls the flags right in the parachute, and then and then uh, Jean Jacket is like is like sideways, like with like with the ground and and like flying past, and it's like this really intense, suspenseful moment. Was that caught on camera? Did they catch that on the film? Because of my first initial viewing, I did not think that they did. And I'm still questionable to whether they did. Based on the reaction of the other characters, it seems like we should take away that they did get it. Because it's... Um, and then Antlers wanted something more than what they already had. Because the way that, like, at least in my first viewing, the way that I took from it was... Was that... Because, like, it, as soon as the, that moment ends, it's a shot of Angel, and he looks upset. Like, he's, like, right. head down, looking depressed, right? Like, not excited that they got the shot. And then that's when Antler says some creepy shit and then, like, essentially offs himself, right, for the, for the epic shot, as if he had to do that. Like, his hands were tied in order to do that, not to, like, one-up his last mm. shot. Because, I don't know, sometimes movies, and Jordan Peele does this too, where he shows stuff out of order in order to tell a different story. and. I think that that initial shot of like of Jean Jacket flying up into the sky and over the horizon is the end of the sequence that we saw. And when they were changing the film, it was really going on like during that moment and they didn't get it in time. Mm, I see. They didn't move it in time. Yeah. They, they didn't get the, the film real in time. Okay. 
I don't know. I, I from from the sequence that we see, it seems like they were pointing the camera at the thing, and everyone w- was like, "Yes, we did it! Like we got, we had a good run." Antlers has the the camera rolling and everything. He's not like it stopped or anything. He's 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 going for it. Um, and uh, well, obviously we can't see what it looked like until he you know they process the film or anything. And there's no scene where they do that. But it's sort of implied that they did because because really the only the like the only people excited at the end of the shot is the two characters who have no access to the film who are not there to actually record it right they both Uh. just assumed that they got it and antlers never answers if he got the shot he only responds in cryptic message of we'll never get the impossible shot it's not like we're not we're not allowed to have that right right we don't deserve it I think it's really difficult to know for sure. I think it, it does leave it up to be somewhat ambiguous. But I think it you, I think the question is like if it matters or not because uh, I think the ambiguity is left out there to continue to build up the suspense for our final encounter with Jean Jacket, where we're taking photos of it from the right. inside the well mm-hmm. because that does not matter as much if we're like confirmed got the shot right um whether or not they did get the shot our other characters don't know if they did so it's still important to them to at least do what they can or at least for emerald to do what she can to capture the shot so i think like from like a story structure perspective uh you know ambiguity is all you need for the quest for the shot to continue to be relevant yeah well i'm I'm watching it again right now and it, like Angel is standing up and he's watching Jean Jacket come in, and then he pulls uh, OJ pulls up the parachute, and Antlers is standing right next to him. He's cranking it, looking at it, and after um, uh, Jean Jacket flies into the distance, um, Angel is whooping and slapping his leg like they got it, and um, you know uh, Antlers is pointing the thing at the sky as if he was following it with the camera. So it seems like at least Angel thinks they got it. And mm. OJ does too, um, and that's when they confirm. What about the but, scene, like? But Antlers doesn't say, "Got it." Yeah, I got the, I got I, the I, shot. I got the shot. I got it. I got it, Batman. Purple people leaders. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it depends on what you consider to be the shot. But yeah, like while we see OJ running away, the, like they're literally Angel is like cheering next to Holst as he's cranking that thing. So like, it could be the type of thing where he goes. I never like I, this thing actually doesn't work. <laughs> like, I, I, left, I made the, I, left the, the yeah. I left the lens cap off. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as a non-electric camera. Right. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, but I mean, well, I mean, we can ask this question a different way. Metaphorically, I mean, did they get the shot right? Uh, is the is this enough? Is this enough to convince people that this is a uh, this phenomenon is real, or that uh, uh, is this enough to? Get them the fame and fortune that they were after. They did not get the Oprah shot, if that's what you're asking. In my opinion, right? Like the shot that she gets at the end. But really, it's all meaningless, right? Because she doesn't even really care about the photos at the end because she's she's worried about either her vision or her actual seeing of right. OJ at the end of the movie. Because um, it was really the respect of her brothers. That's what she that's, wanted in the end. That's right. There is, there is a lot of moments here where they're where they stop looking at Jean Jacket and they start looking at each other. Mm-hmm. And that feels really poignant, right? Uh, when they realize that they can work together to try to separate themselves so that they can keep um, either of them from getting eaten, right? That, that kind of realization comes across. Um, and they're 
It requires them to like look at each other and to, to watch each other. Um, and the same thing at the end, right? After she destroys Jean Jacket, she makes eye contact with, um, with OJ, or at least his vi- the vision of OJ, um, because that's, that's really what we should be focusing on, not the spectacle above us. Right. Um, okay. Kind of what you said uh, resonates a little bit with me. So um, kind of like Emerald and OJ like staring at each other, like watching each other. Joey, can you play my this quote for me? What if I told you that in about an hour you'll leave here different? See, every Friday. For the last six months, my family and I have bore witness to an absolute spectacle. One that you'll be seeing here today. So let me take you back to that first night. Right here in this exact spot, I come over to wrangle a chestnut horse named Trigger. Now, I could barely see my hand in front of my face for the fog, but I swear on my wife and children's lives that at 6.13 p.m., I see a flying saucer descend through the mist. Old Trigger took off straight into the gulch. Well, it's like he was going home. Now, just to be clear, what we saw was a flying saucer, no doubt about that. Slightly flatter in the front, with a circular hole in the bottom about two school bus lengths wide. Ladies and gentlemen, I kid you not. We are being surveilled by an alien species I call the viewers. And though they have yet to emerge from their ship, I believe they trust me. If they didn't, I don't think any of us would be here right now. (laughs) So as I said, in just under an hour, Star Lasso experience is going to change you. So there's something I want to talk about in there, and it's and it's uh, Jupe's envisionment of the viewers, um, because Jordan Peele has this really unique way of either directly pointing or metaphorically pointing cameras back at us, like as the audience, the viewers, right? Um, so some examples are the masks that the kids wear, right, Joey? You said are like owl-like. Um, they resemble that of a camera and that directly coincides with the flashback where similar white mass cameras are pointed back at us during the pov shot and and there's even moments beyond just the cameras where like characters are staring directly at us like gordy which is one of the most which is probably the most chilling portion of that flashback sequence um but in the first scene of the movie looking down what was unknowingly the esophagus of jean jacket um eerily leading us to the original black cowboy haywood shot mimics that of a camera. Uh, the TMZ mirrored helmet photographer with his camera pointed 
not just directly at Emerald, but at us as well. Um, and even when Jean Jacket expands into its true form, its, its biblically accurate angel, it expands its great green butthole of a resemblance of a camera. And that's pointed directly at us and at OJ. Um, and I believe that the, the true viewer that, that Jupe is referencing is, is really us because that alien ship doesn't hold little aliens controlling it. It's one big predator. Like, we are the viewers in this spectacle. Um, and and uh, Jordan Peele is always finding a way to point that metaphorical and literal cameras back at us, the audience. Yes, uh, this, is, this is really good, Anthony. Uh, one other thing I want to add to your list of cameras or eyes or anything is that Jean Jacket, from, a, from underneath, looks like a big eye. Yeah, he does. Right? It looks like a pupil with, a, with an iris in the center or whatever it is. Uh, iris with a pupil in it. And that's... It, it, and there's something to do with you know how he's watching you, but if you make eye contact with him, then he'll he'll go after you. Um, so it's uh, it's very um, I think it's very poignant there. Well, and I, I'm not sure what the what the what the viewers are supposed to exactly represent. I think you're right that it's supposed to be us. I think we're supposed to be the viewers. But like again, like yeah, what are we supposed to be taking away from this? That like what, people watching us is bad, or that uh, we shouldn't be watching other things. We shouldn't be watching this movie. <laughs> we shouldn't <laughs> be watching this movie. Well, I think it's that it's that like I don't know. Maybe it's just a reference to us in some way. Like, because sure. I mean, genuinely, the next sequence of of that is uh, of of this portion of the film is like the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that is that it, like the the like being eaten alive thing has never really crossed my mind that is definitely the worst way ever to die um, <laughs> uh, it's terrifying yeah especially since it takes so long yeah. oh my god <laughs> you know yeah like they, they are in there till nighttime right like yeah. um but and it was so, oh my gosh you're so claustrophobic in there oh I, I just god. i loved the way that that was uh portrayed because it was like the dust is collecting around everybody and you hear people screaming but you don't actually see it and mm -hmm. then like you lose sight of jupe and then it cuts to inside where you see this cloud of people just soaring upwards oh it was the stuff of nightmares yes uh like that was oh man one of the like honestly probably my favorite part of the movie uh like that that all stuck with me i mean i had trouble falling falling asleep and everything it was fantastic yeah oh yeah definitely like brain searing right like i mean for weeks like every single day i was seeing that in my head um and 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 then it's followed up by like one of the most jaw-dropping sequences i've ever seen which is when you find out that like uh jean jacket can't process like uh miscellaneous objects that are held on yeah. humans so he's just like shitting all over the house yes and he's just like spewing blood rain um which is like oh, another yeah. kind of like does it do they not consume blood like what is he eating right like flesh i guess well just i guess flesh? what i got from that was an intentional regurgitation to like as an a, a, a attack on the people in the house yeah which i like right because that makes that makes jean jacket a little more sentient than just yes. like absorbing monster yeah right well similar to the way that gordy was set off by a balloon popping the reason that th this edition of the star lasso experience went awry because jean jacket got pissed off because jean jacket got a decoy shoved up in its esophagus that's why it, it 
went crazy. It, that's what set yeah. it off. It's exactly like what happened with Gordy. So like, I think that, yeah, pouring blood is probably a little bit out of the ordinary because this is a reaction to being messed with. Uh, that's That was causing it to do it. And also, yeah, that whole sequence was just, oh, so brilliantly done because you get that view from inside, the same view that you saw the people flying up there. You have that same view and you're listening to them all screaming and screaming and then all at once, boom, they stop. Yeah. And it's like that was they all got they all got smushed or whatever happened to them simultaneously. Just masterfully oh, yeah. done. Yes, definitely. I love the little elements of horror, right? The raining of blood, like the the vague screaming that's like hovering over it. Um, but all of it like makes sense in the context of the monster. Um, you know, but it has all these different horrors that come along with it. Pretty cool. That's that's also one of the moments that you actually see how large Jean Jacket is. Like for the most part, you, it's either hidden by clouds or like far away, flying away. And this is where it's like directly over the house and it's spanning like such a large area outside of the house itself. And like, and of course it's raining, but now it's not raining at all. Yes. And then it's only raining blood. Like, oh, <laughs> so unbelievably like brain searing. Yes. Yes. Really cool. Really love that shot. Um, yeah. So let me ex- expand a little bit more on what Anthony was talking about with the viewers. Uh, maybe this will. If you guys can connect some dots for me here. When, so when OJ first sees the UFO and, and, and he tells Emerald about it, she her first thought is, let's get this bitch on camera. Um, later, she comes to partially regret that choice. And although this journey through this journey, they lose a lot and they suffer. But at the center of the mission is always this perfect shot, the Oprah shot, as they call it. They don't want to kill Jean Jacket. They don't want to stop it. They don't want to capture it. They want to document it. Unfortunately, this creature is particularly difficult to film since it interferes with electronics, but the quest to document everything has solutions to that problem. This, this force of nature that resists observation cannot withstand the technology and ingenuity of a culture of documentarians. But it doesn't go down without a fight. By looking directly at it, it will target you, and yet the desire to get on film is never questioned. Despite being the very thing that will likely get you killed, the act of looking at it is om- looking away from it is almost as terrifying as the creature itself. Um, in some ways, this is the story of humans overcoming the impossible, but it's also the story of obsession with spectacle. Everyone knows the value of seeing something no one else has ever seen, and the irony of bringing something like that to the public. By filming it, you demystify it. It becomes part of the world, not something extra to it. By documenting it, you reveal how the trick is done and the magic is dispelled. A question I think is, is this worth it? And um, Angela asked the same question. What we're doing is important, right? Like, what we document, it's, um, it's gonna do some good, huh? I mean, besides the money and fucking fame, like we can save some lives, fuck, we can even save Earth. Everyone sort of softly agrees with him that he's right about this sentiment. But it's not clear to me that what they're doing here is good, per se. Sure, Jean Jacket is dangerous and terrifying, but it sure is convenient that the solution to their problem is also everyone getting famous and rich, right? So maybe this is just the Hollywood mindset. Everyone is looking for their shot at the top. Everything is an opportunity to make money or become famous. I guess that's also not limited to Hollywood um, either necessarily right every op- everyone's looking for an opportunity to um make it uh everything's going to be okay we're all going to make it as the crypto guys say um this 
I don't know. It's interesting to like, there's, there's this idea that we have to be documenting this thing. Right. But also that it's watching us at the same time. Right. And one of the other, one or the other is going to destroy the, destroy it. Like we're either going to destroy Jean Jack or Jean Jack is going to destroy us. And it's like, but the primary like way we're interacting with both of these things is it's watching us or uh, we're watching it. Um, I don't know. I, I, there's some, something there that I'm not quite getting. Any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, the only thought that I have is like, that's like Hollywood, right? Like the core <laughs> uh, identity of it all is like, be famous off what you film on camera. Um, right. And I mean, that's like, that's like Emerald and uh, OJ's upbringing, right? They, they're like born into this Hollywood family. Um, like OJ even experiences life as a child, like Hollywood. He's not a childhood actor, but he's on set, right? He was there for the Scorpion King. Um, shout out to The Rock. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. But, uh, and then same with Jupe, right? Like he, childhood actor, and Emerald's like trying to do her thing, where she's even like, the Haywood Ranch shit is my side gig. Um, like I'm really an actor, singer, motorcyclist on the, like on the seamstress. reg. Yeah. Seamstress. <laughs> um, but so of course, like that's the mentality of everyone is like, we got to get it on film fast or we're going to fall behind. Like this is the moment we need to own it. Right. Yeah. But I, I you're right. I, I don't really have like some sort of connection to, to try to topple the other one. Well, which I, could I think, I think everybody's tepid agreement is opening up the opportunity to um, question whether or not what Angel says here is even true. But I think it's definitely good for OJ uh, and, and Emerald, but but specifically OJ because his position through all of this is that he's trying to protect his, uh, you know, his father and his father and his father's legacy. And we have a quote for this. Pops did something when he made this place. He changed the industry. That's real. I can't just let that go. We do get the spiel from Emerald while she's on set that her great-great-grandfather like, actually played a big role in film history, but her spiel isn't going to change anybody's mind. It's not going to change the course of film history. This is their opportunity to claim what is rightfully theirs, to, to uh, harvest some of that notoriety that uh, is due to the Haywood family. So um, I, I think that within the confines of this film and the uh like the story of the haywood family uh that yes this is the way that you write that wrong is you have this opportunity to uh claim a little bit of fame whether that's good or bad i'm not sure based on what this movie's saying but oj's motivation is clearly to uh you know not let his family history be erased and and to to cement it Right, but th- I, I agree with that. And I think he's swayed to that side, especially after he starts to see Jean Jacket in action. He, kn- he sees that there is a path here for them to succeed. But when Emerald is first talking about this, right, she doesn't know what this thing is. All she knows is that if we film it, we're going to get rich, basically. And, th- like, there's this obsession with, like, with filming it for sp- in particular, right? That's what this movie is sort of, is sort of about, is about... The- capturing things on film and the, the value that has it has a value above almost anything else right even in other people's lives it, it's it's the most important thing um and 
I, I think that ties into like our obsession with spectacles as people are viewing it, right? The, that the viewers fuel the, that, um, that drive, right? If there's no one to watch it, then no one, then they wouldn't do this. They would do something else. Um, because again, like OJ's, there's more than one solution to OJ's problem here. Filming Jean Jacket wouldn't necessarily mean that he like gets what he wants necessarily, right? It's possible that his ranch turns into a tourist trap or something else, right? Or maybe he's forced to eat, sell, to feed all of his horses to Jean Jacket, which isn't necessarily something that he wants, right? So how do you, uh, you know, how does he reconcile that? The best way to do about this is to play the game. Um, I, I actually, I have a thought on that. And I think it's more so for OJ. Like, it's not about necessarily filming it. It's about, it's about filming what he does to Jean Jacket. Like, to show that as an animal trainer, like, they're adding Jean Jacket to the list of animals that the Haywood Ranch has control over. And maybe wow. not even control over, but just... Look what we did in this shot. Like, I got the star out of his trailer to shoot King Kong. Right, right? exactly. It's like uh, the Haywood family, yeah, the, it's not that they control animals. It's that they can make them actors. And yes, he's right. able to put Jean Jacket on film. And that and that alone is what would cement them in, like, in the Haywood legacy. More so than just the first ever shot film ever. That's a good point. You could imagine a That's future really in this after the film concludes where the Haywood family business uh, becomes the most popular animal handlers in Hollywood because they can control or they could get this thing into a movie. They can get any animal. Into yeah. A movie. And, and, and OJ like really believes this. Joey, can you play these two quotes for me? Every animal got rules, right? We know what it wants and we know how it comes. So you don't really know shit. <laughs> Okay, what's this about, man? What's this about? You want me to, you want me to say, I'm sorry, it was wrong, it's dumb? It wasn't, though. Own the moment. Stop. It was good. Stop, stop it this was good, shit. But the moment about to pass. And we don't own shit. Okay, well, I assume y'all are crashing at mine. Right, because you can. Because I'm not going back to the fucking monster umbrella. Gotta feed him. That lucky out. There's shit to do. Always. Always some shit to do. Now we know what it doesn't like. That little fake horse and flags mess it up good. Got stuck in his windpipes or something. I bet they ain't gonna fuck with flags like that in a minute. Yeah. We pissed them off. We're not the reason to settle down here. That was Juke. He got caught up trying to tame a predator. You can't do that. You gotta end an agreement with one. Yeah. Ask Siegfried and Roy. Okay. Um, asking is someone who was in the house when the shit went down. Mm -hmm. How exactly do you enter an agreement with a fucking a UFO alien entity or whatever the hell you want to call it? Gene Jack. Call him Gene Jack. So, how about this? How about we send old Gene Jacket some fresh horses and golden hour and see what happens? Mm-mm. Horse people. Mm, why not just set them free? We're not doing that. Okay. Who? It's gonna go. 
down there and get the star out of his trailer. Me. I'll get him out. Now, that was a lot. But that does drive back home the point that, like, OJ, at, at that point in the story, knows what to do. He, like, knows how to handle it. I think the only problem with this plan is that ultimately he doesn't end up feeding Jean Jacket, which he would probably have to sacrifice a horse in some way. Maybe he meant to do that with Lucky when he like jumps off of Lucky at the end, but Lucky still had the parachute attached to it, so I don't think yeah. that, that worked. But either way, I, I think that like that's OJ's moment is is he doesn't really necessarily care about filming Jean Jacket. It's all about showing what he's capable of because. Frankly, like at the beginning of the movie, right, when he's at the uh, the set with his horse, he kind of doesn't have any control over Lucky, right? Like Lucky starts to kick and stuff, and he's got no control of the moment. But now he does. That's great. Love that. All right, anything else, Benjamin? No, I think we're ready to go to break. So if you guys are good to that, well, I'll, I'll take us to break. Okay, fantastic. We're going to go ahead and take a break, but stick around because when we come back, we'll talk about our cool Easter eggs and give this movie our ratings. We'll be right back. Wake that ass up. Earth in the morning. Apple Chat Podcast. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Let's go. This is your wake up call. This is your- Please don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Or at least until after I've listened to the new Affable Chat. Fresh John, assholes! Hey! Hey, can you hear me? You need to wake up! Oh, good morning to you too, Dad. <laughs> morning was two hours ago. Hey, this isn't my coffee. Where's my finely ground Kenya blend from Starbucks? Sometimes patients that are in a coma retreat into a fantasy world and are unable to wake up. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Their fantasy world is just like their real life, except they aren't in a coma. The only way to wake up is to find audio messages urging them to wake up. Wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Even after hearing these messages, sometimes it takes months for them to please Please wake wake up. up. And we're back with UFOologist and promoter of ancient astronauts hypothesis, Anthony. Uh, And now we're going to talk about our cool Easter eggs for the movie Nope. And we'll go to Joey. Joey, what a cool Easter egg do you have? I've already covered a lot of the ones I was going to mention, but there is more inspiration for Jean Jacket than just um, anime monsters uh, apparently some sea creatures played a role in this according to jordan peele specifically the sand dollar the cuttlefish and the big fid the big fin squid um i'm sure you most people are familiar with sand dollars uh they do kind of look they're like you know circular but if you look closely at them they actually have like ridges and kind of biological features to them similar to how jean jacket looks Cuttlefish uh, is famous for its camouflage, um, which, of course, Jean Jacket seems to be able to alter its form at will, turning into a UFO or hiding in a cloud, but maybe just being a cloud. Hard to say exactly. And then the big fin squid, if you it looks kind of like a jellyfish. It's basically got these really, really long tentacles. The tentacles are probably six times longer than the body of the squid, and they just kind of float behind it. 
um, like in this kind of ethereal way. So uh, you can definitely see the the resemblance between the big fin squid and Jean Jacket, in my opinion. It's um it's not directly in- inspired to look like this, but if you look at the um uh the the cover that has Steven Yoon on it, um he's wearing a cowboy hat uh, with his head like up to the sky, and the cowboy hat like sh- like directly resembles. Uh, jean jacket ah. um, so he kind of yeah, looks like so a he's cowboy like, hat. Like he's about to be eaten <laughs> very cool so uh i had a few easter eggs so i was curious if the haywood hollywood horses story was real it is not uh but horses horse in motion that they they talked about that is real uh but it was called sally gardner at a gallop and gardner is the name of the horse not the jockey riding and there's theories about who the jockey is but it is unconfirmed so uh it was a good jumping off point and i think a great hook for the advertising in this movie but um not 100 percent historically accurate uh sure. then we also had the i was curious i i Maybe I'd heard it before, but I, I didn't know what UAP stood for when Angel was talking about how they changed it from UFO to UAP. Uh, UAP stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So in case anybody, any of the conspiracy theorists want to keep up with the jargon. Enemy UAP above. Are you going to change your title, Anthony, to UAPologist instead of UFOologist? Um, yeah, I am a UAPologist. No, okay, so he's keeping <laughs> no, up with yeah. the times. I, yeah. I think UAP could also stand for Unidentified Aerial Predator. Uh, so that we can pay attention to the, when the it's predator. a creature. <laughs> so another thing that I thought was interesting, this reminded me a lot of Us, because in Us, we had the I Got Five on it song that was mm. slowed down into, to make it like creepy. In this movie, we had a similar effect with Sunglasses at Night being played uh, slowly after uh, you know the, it loses power and like the power comes back. Um, and this plays right when OJ realizes that you shouldn't look uh, Jean Jacket in like with your eyes. You shouldn't look directly at Jean Jacket. Um, which and then after that, they go to Angel's apartment where M and Angel cover their eyes with VR. And if you listen to the TV that was playing while that, like during that scene, you can hear uh, some TV show where they're talking about a dragon that has been like attacking their crops and how they need to like make a plan to slay the dragon so all of that very uh i got that's that's just what i love about jordan peele's movies is, is, is everything in there kind of builds on each other a, another one in the same vein as that ben is the uh at the beginning of the movie there's like a radio playing that's like it's just like a general newscast about some how some hikers went missing and um and then then later on is when the coins like fall out of the sky and and kill um oj's father mr haywood and i mean that's like where yeah. they come from right but you right. but at the time you're no idea what that is so that's like another one where it's like something in the background plays a direct role in in how the movie flows yep it's yes. all concrete it's all built uh very uh stably um so then we also have the exploding fist bump. Remember when they first enter the room, there's like, that's actually the first exploding fist bump, uh, which, you know, it's, you know, you could connect the dots there and be like, they would fist bump and then do like an exploding thing. You've seen, uh, you know, your favorite 
camp counselor do that with one of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the exploding fist bump also happens in the case with uh, Gordy's final fist bump where uh, they fist bump and then Gordy explodes from getting shot. Yeah. Uh, and they got thought, the they got the first one on camera and they got the last one on camera. Yeah. It's a win win. I thought that was a pretty uh, like clever way to set that up. Um, I feel like we have to say this. <laughs> the word nope appears very prominently many times throughout this movie. It's actually one of the first words that you even hear in the movie uh, when she's like, you'd think that a uh, whatever scientist would be able to figure that out. Nope. Nope. And then ha 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 laugh track. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know of any other movie that says its own title as much as this one does. Maybe a movie that has like, like it has a the name of one of the characters right right but the this this one is even i then, am it's not very superman often. 4 yeah return I, of the steel. Put, <laughs> um, quest I, for peace i do think that they he does do it in a way though where it's like very well wellly written in um right yes. like it's it's always in response to something where it's like like but what if nope is the answer to what a bad mirror right like sure Yes, it's not right. Right, it has like a double entendre now that you've yeah. had the title of the movie. Yeah, and, then, and I've also heard that N O P E stands for not of planet Earth. Ah. Uh, so it's like a uh, UFO reference. I don't know. That feels like a stretch. Well, to especially me. because it's all caps, you could say that it's an acronym uh, or an right. initialization, whichever one it would be. Um, and o- OJ also responds in a way where it's like, like I, you know, I've seen it on TikTok and like Twitter a bunch, where it's like, if if it was like a like a a black main character in a horror movie and it's just like oh some sh- shady shit is going on over there nope nope going yeah, in the other right. way yes. and oj so always what, yeah. reacts that way like he like yeah. looks above and he's like yeah it's not worth leaving yeah. the car right now. i know i know better than nope. to go investigate this yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> Uh, Peter Griffin would definitely have a time with this movie, uh, <laughs> like reacting every time they say the name. Um, okay, but my last Easter egg, I, I guess maybe I've learned nothing from watching Nope because I have a spectacle uh, that I, the, the, the three of us can gawk at together here. Nice. Um, and I think I, I couldn't find anything that explicitly linked this to the film, but there's no way that it wasn't at least an inspiration in some capacity. Uh, but this is the story of Travis the Chimpanzee. So Travis was a male chimpanzee and animal actor that appeared on many TV shows and commercials. Uh, he was on the Maury Povich show, the man show. He was in Coca-Cola ads and more. Uh, so back in, uh, 1995, Sandra and Jerome Harold purchased Travis from a breeder uh, for $50,000. They raised him at their home in Connecticut. Like, he was like three weeks old when they bought him. So he was completely socialized around humans and not around uh, chimpanzees. And basically, he was their surrogate son, accompanying them to work and basically everywhere that they went. They owned a tow truck or a towing company, and Travis posed for photos to promote the company. And he also rode around. Uh, in the truck and he like wore a baseball shirt apparently Uh, and he was known around town specifically with the cops there's like a bunch of pictures of him posing with the police Uh, he could open (laughs) doors using keys he could dress himself he could water plants he could feed his owner's horses with hay he could eat at a table with the rest of the family he could drink wine from a stemmed glass he loved ice cream and he knew the ice cream truck's schedule so that he could go out there and get it for himself Uh, he could log onto a computer and look at pictures he knew how to operate a tv remote and like how to watch tv uh he specifically enjoyed watching baseball uh he could 
brush his teeth with a water pick and uh he could he also was like apparently drove a car on multiple occasions um so he was every bit like seemingly uh just another part of society like a a functioning member of this uh small town connecticut society but on february 16th 2009 which would be 14 years into this surrogate son relationship uh travis left the house with his owner's car keys and uh so sandra was the one who was home her neighbor charla nash came to help get Travis back in the house. And apparently Travis knew her. Like Charla had worked for the tow truck company, had been the neighbor for years. Like this is somebody that uh, Travis was familiar with. Uh, so when, so Charla came to help get him back in the house. But when Travis saw Charla apparently holding a Tickle Me Elmo, which was one of his favorite toys, he just flew into a rage and attacked her. And there's like argument over what actually caused him to fly into a rage. It's just kind of unclear why he, like he got set off. Um, but yeah, then he he flew into a rage and attacked her. And Sandra tried to stop Travis um, by hitting him on the head with a shovel and act, and also stabbed him in the back with a butcher knife. Um, but she couldn't get him to stop. He was just like tearing her apart. Uh, so then Sandra called nine one one, and they thought that this it was a prank call until she screamed, "He's eating her!" Oh uh, which I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to listen to the nine one one call, but apparently it is out there. Um, and then the cops wow. showed up, and when they pulled up, Travis attacked their car and broke a side view mirror, uh, and that's when a cop opened the door and shot Travis four times. Travis retreated into the house and died next to his cage. Uh, and Charla Nash's injury, injuries were described as horrific uh she lost her hands nose eyes lips and mid face bone structure uh like her her i saw a pretty disturbing picture of like basically her face was just like completely caved in Um, and she also received significant brain tissue injuries uh and travis's existence uh in this connecticut town resulted in laws being passed that restricted uh exotic animal ownership it is Wow, a really grisly situation. And the the thing is, she survived, and her face was completely like destroyed, which is why I think this was co- like specifically referenced in this movie uh, with uh, Jupe's co-star, who Mary went jo. and saw the show. Yes, um, interesting. Which that's one thing we didn't bring up, but like Mary Jo's entire life is the most horrific thing I can imagine. Um, <laughs> like she <laughs> lives through like this horrifying, gruesomely. Uh, um, uh, like the worst situation ever, and then the way that she dies is the worst way imaginable, uh, which is being eaten alive. Yeah, I mean she she got to experience it with Jupe both times. It was yep. uh is crazy stuff. Um, but I I feel like specifically if you're gonna choose like to have a monkey do this in your movie, like you you probably know about Travis the chimpanzee. Yeah. Insane. That's a that's a terrifying story. Oh my god! Ima- like uh, it's it's so crazy they don't know what set him off. You know, like it, it's just like they think it was like him, someone holding one of his toys. But like it could be, could almost be anything. Like, yeah, like I don't know what you learn from that, right? I'm sure there's other people out there that are trying to do something similar to this too. I well, I think you just learn that you just don't fuck with animals like yeah. that. I know, uh, like chimpanzees, and and like OJ says, it's like that's why they won't let you use chimpanzees anymore. Um, also, the you know Mister Haywood, as we're calling him, uh, he at one point he even says uh, he's like, "You hear that? 
I'll try to go even deeper for because it's uh, uh, Keith David. Keith David. It's like Potashnik. Yeah. (laughs) You hear that? Ghost acting all territorial. I guess some animals ain't fit to be trained. And (laughs) I think the argument there is that chimpanzees ain't fit to be trained. That you can't treat them. uh, You know, he the this family here got caught trying to train a predator. As they Crazy. also said, I, yeah. I want, I don't know if it specifically happened after the release of Nope, but I swear it's like in the back of my mind somewhere that it was like one time on Joe Rogan's podcast, of course, where they were like, he was like, oh yeah, I could totally fight a chimp in the ring. And it's like, dude, that animal would destroy <laughs> no, you. I don't no, okay, I, I don't think so. Joe Rogan's always talking about how gorillas will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, there's, it's, it's incredible the strength that they have, um, even though they seem so similar to us. Um, but the same thing, as I was like gawking at all this stuff, I'm like, am I not doing what the people did in the movie for Gordy? It's like, because yeah, like, obviously you were, you were rereading the story. Yes. Like looking up details. Like, yeah. Oh, so it's like spectacle. Yeah, it is. And that it's, um, I mean, I, I guess my cop out is to be like, Oh, it's, it's like, it fits into the context of the film. It's clearly the inspiration. Right. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it research. Anything, it's, it's Jordan Peele's fault that we're talking about this now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's don't fuck with these animals. I, I that is something that is is never rung truer than after I watch Nope. Is is uh, you know don't fuck with animals. Um, do uh, Ben? I know you don't live with a pet. Joey, do you live with a pet? I have a cat. Yes. Do, did you fear your cat more than ever <laughs> after this movie? <laughs> no, but uh, I don't know if she'll like me telling the story. But Jenny just got bit on the nose <gasps> by another cat. Oh no! She was watching her friend's cat. And uh, the cat, she was the cat was purring and like being nice to her, and then she got in close, and the cat just bit her right in the nose. Oh and she my has, god! Like, a big old scratch. Yeah, on I, two parts I of went her nose. to a uh, I went to a friend's house that, and they have a dog, and I've like spent a lot of time with this dog. This dog knows me, and I showed up, and I mean like viciously barking and gr- and like running at me, uh, which oh, was geez. like scary. Like I mean. Obviously, I could probably get this animal away from me if I really wanted to. I could take this dog. Right, I could take the dog, but <laughs> but I don't want to hurt my friend's dog or anything. So like I had to like stand away for a while. We had to hide yeah. cheese in my pocket to so I could like disarm him quickly. Um, so yeah, animals are scary. Jeez. Dude, no, I I almost had a tragic story about a dog because my friend who I used to dog sit for him when I lived in Oklahoma and he had just the nicest dog. Me and this dog spent Thanksgiving together one year because I didn't go home and I love this dog. Classic memories. Yes. You guys were friends. Yes. You were chosen. But then he starts dating this girl and she has a dog and they move in together and then he's like, can you watch both of the dogs? And I'm like, oh, surely. Like me and this other dog, we got to hang out again. It's been too long. But I walk in the door and this other dog is just going berserk when I walked in the door. They knew that this dog doesn't react well to strangers, but they're like, you know, Benjamin's good at dogs. He'll be able to handle it. As soon as they let go of the dog for it to come meet me, it sprints at me and bites my crotch, like bites through (gasps) my pants, through my underwear. Luckily, barely, barely got anything. Like it it didn't, I didn't even bleed, but like I got like a scratch on my thigh, but I was inches away from the most devastating injury. Oh my God. Uh, Like it was I my life flashed before my eyes, yeah. Um, but yeah. And after that, I told them I'm not going to watch that dog. <laughs> I'll watch your other dog, but not that one. Uh, so that's again yeah. just another example. Do not fuck with these animals. Uh, I do think there's because the other thing this ma- movie makes me ask is: should animals be actors? Um, one of the 
I think the movie RRR makes a good argument argument that <laughs> you can get a lot of mileage out of CGI. Um, you don't necessarily have to torture these animals by forcing them to act. They can't even conceptualize what a film is and you're trying to make them follow a script. Uh, but there's also animals that clearly can be trained. So I don't think that an absolutist take on that is generally is actually the right answer. But well, what about yeah? What about the you know Haywood Hollywood horses of uh, that are real? You know, what about those people that spent their whole lives training animals to be in movies and um, do a good job of it? You know, um, I think uh, Peta says that there should be no animals in movies, right. but they have pretty. You know, strict rules about lots of things. They, I mean, yeah, CGI is good enough nowadays where you don't need it, right? Like they didn't right. train a chimpanzee to do the Gordy scene; it was obviously right. a CGI chimpanzee. Right. So it's like yeah. I guess just Horse figuring out which animals make the most sense because obviously then, there are horses that acted in this movie. Right. That's right. <laughs> I was very curious about that. Uh, Jean Jacket, however, is real. That's a real animal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What an set. actor. <laughs> <laughs> He's really out there. Okay. But before we go, I have one more question for you guys, which is. What do you think about UFOs? Do you think they're out there? Do I think okay, are yeah, yes. Definitely. <laughs> There's definitely aliens. Whether whether or not they're close to Earth or even in our solar system or our galaxy, there are okay. other sentient life somewhere. Okay, that's not what I mean though. Oh, Everyone okay. knows that. Okay. But are they you mean, are they like in like have they made contact with us and they're like doing right. stuff? Are those things we see in the sky and people are saying that's that's an alien? Are those aliens? I don't, I don't know. know. I like yeah. there was. I saw something on Joe Rogan that there was like a pill or like a Tic Tac that they said is moving around. And I guess I right. could believe that there are UFOs, but they're like boring. Where it's like it's mm. something that isn't going to come down and abduct anybody or like have intelligent life that like spreads their fingers and says yeah. like peace among worlds or whatever. Like it's going to be something that's like not comprehensible and not very exciting for us it's like right yes well, this is extraterrestrial but that's the extent of it is that it just and, exists. and back back to what you said like at the beginning joey like uh we wouldn't even be able to like conceptualize what it is we it's just planes to us in our minds but really it's like an unidentified right um uh what is it there, the uap there, a there unidentified a, aerial predator there is some <laughs> evidence of that right there's there's reports of people seeing things and thinking it's one thing, but it actually was something else because he just did not expect it at all. Right. But um, no, I I definitely don't believe that there's aliens are uh, real. I I think that actually all that stuff that the like the military releases is all psyop. I mm. think that they it's either made up or it's technology they know about, and they're just trying to keep people from paying attention to it. And so mm. they will uh, tell you that oh we don't know what this is maybe it's UFO and everyone's like it's UFO it's UFO and they waste all their time uh, making theories about whether it's aliens or not and not investigating whether the government is lying to you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's pretty convincing. Um, <laughs> but okay, that is going to bring us to the end of our discussion on Nope. As we do at the end of every episode of Apple Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings and we'll begin with our guest Anthony. What rating do you want to give to this movie? Yes, I will personally donate five horses of the Haywood Hollywood Ranch to the Star Lasso experience. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Joey, what rating do you want to give this movie? I give this movie a mechanical GoPro that you have to power by like uh, going like this oh, or maybe you riding like, you like spin or like riding you know, like, on your bike, like attached to your bike you know and it's like, got, like a chain that goes up to your helmet and like that's what, uh, <laughs> oh, is this another from. chain that, that doesn't like, sound dangerous <laughs> yeah that is so safe <laughs> and uh for me i'll give this movie five house keys that fall out of the sky and stab into whatever they land on 
Uh, wow. Definitely a lasting image in my head was the key stabbed into the horse uh, at the beginning of like the intro. Um, but there we have it. Nope, a movie that we have been excited to talk about here. Anthony has been blowing up my line saying he he needed to be on here to do an episode of this. So, um, Anthony, uh, as a uh, you know UFOologist, UAPologist, UAPologist, and promoter yes. of ancient uh, astronauts hypothesis, thank you for joining us here on Apple Chat. Yes, thank you for having me, fellow aliens. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's going to do it for this episode on Nope. Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next, we are doing the Glass Onion, a Knives Out story, or whatever it's called. Right. Benoit yeah. Blanc is Th- coming in. That's right. I suspect foul play. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> I suspect we will have an excellent conversation about that next time on Affable <laughs> Chat. But until then, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this podcast, then tell your friends about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? Your new favorite website is affablechat.com. That's where you can find all the latest about Affable Chat, including the content from our Twitter, Instagram, uh, and TikTok, at Affable Chat on all three. And you can even send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. It's called Affable Chat. Apple Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Chat. That's going to do it for this episode. For Apple Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. That's impossible.